Hope you all had a good lunch. Um, today we're going to be in 1 Samuel 8. I'm continuing with uh, Pastor Matt's sermon series in 1 Samuel. I had prepared this when they were away for the, the teen retreat, and I got sick that day. We didn't have the 2 o'clock service, and I told them I already put in the work. I already studied. There's no reason for you to do a study I already have ready, so um, he gets the afternoon off, I guess, from speaking. Um, so you guys are stuck with me. Um, I'll probably be a little more brief than him. He tends to have a few more words than I do, usually. Um, <laughs> I think he holds the record for longest sermon at this church. Um, <laughs> or Matt. Um, but we're going to be in 1 Samuel 8. It's 22 verses. We're just going to go through uh, the different verses, look at the details. Um, what we have is we have Israel basically uh, demanding a king, calling for a king. They're tired of the way. Um, that stuff has been going on, so they're going to try to get their way. and um, we'll, we'll see the details, how Samuel tries to talk them out of it, where there's warning that it's not what's best, it's not the way God set it up. God set it up for him to be their king, but they didn't like that, they struggled with that. And we saw how they responded uh, without a king through, uh, through the other books that we've studied so far, where they did what was right in their own eyes, and there was judges who tried to help them out. But now we're going to get into um, where they're demanding a king. So let's have a word of prayer and then uh, we'll get into our study. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much uh, for today. Thank you for the wonderful day that we've had so far. I thank you for the way that you care for us and that you work in our lives. I pray that you'll just give us understanding of this study. I pray that uh, you'll help us to uh, remember these details. I pray that you'll uh, sink them fast in our minds. I thank you. For all that you are, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse number 1. And it came to pass, when Samuel was old, that he made his sons judges over Israel. And I don't want to be offensive to anyone here, um, because it says when Samuel was old, um, it's, it's believed that he was around 60 when this happened. So, just, just saying... Um, I didn't write the words, I'm just saying the Bible says he was old and it's believed that he was 60 here. And what he does is he makes his sons judges over Israel. So his two sons judged in Beersheba. Verse number 2, And the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second, Abiah. They were judges in Beersheba. And just quick reference to what their names meant. Joel means the Lord is God. Um, Abiah means my father is the Lord. Um, so intentional names there with significance to them. Verse number 3, And his sons walked not in his ways. I remember Samuel strove to do what was right. Um, he, he tried following the Lord and leading the people to follow the Lord. He gets old, which was around 60, and then his sons are judges, and his sons do not walk in his ways. They don't do what is right, but turned aside after lucre and took bribes and perverted judgment. So his sons had power, they had authority, and they abused that power and authority. And they were taking bribes, they were taking money, they were taking rewards to kind of judge unfairly or judge the way that would pay them the most. And this was not okay, and we find reference to that back in Deuteronomy chapter 16, uh, verses 18 and 19, Judges and officers shalt thou make thee in all thy gates which the Lord thy God giveth thee. 
throughout thy tribes, and they shall judge the people with just judgment. So the judges are supposed to judge well. They're supposed to judge justly. Verse 19, Thou shalt not rest judgment. Thou shalt not respect persons, neither take a gift. For a gift doth blind the eyes of the wise and pervert the words of the righteous. So God gave warning way back in Deuteronomy that judges shouldn't do this. They start accepting rewards and, and bribes for the way they judge. It's going to pervert their eyes. It's going to cloud their judgment. And they're going to judge based upon the way that, that promotes them the best or benefits them the best. And we can still see that reigning true today. Um, where you know, deep pockets and rewards can buy you certain things in, in certain places with certain uh, people who have a lot of power. Verses 4 and 5, Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah, and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. So what are they calling for? They're calling for a king. We don't like the way the judges are doing it. We don't like the way your sons are doing it, which rightly just, his sons were perverting justice. They were perverting what was right. But they want a king, like all the other nations. All these other nations have kings. We want a king. Give us a king. Look at verse uh, number 6. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. So Samuel doesn't like what they're saying. Samuel doesn't, doesn't think it's best for them to have a king. He knows that God should be their king. Verse 7, And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. So God tells Samuel, don't take this personally which you could imagine Samuel would take it personally. If you were in charge, so to say, and you were leading, and the people say, we don't like how you do it, we want someone else, we want a king, you would tend to take that personally. At least, I guess, I think I would. You know, if a mutiny rises up and we're done with you. Um, Samuel takes it personally, and God says, don't take it personally. They're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me which the way God had designed it for him to be the king, for them to look to God for guidance and for rule and for direction, and they should be trusting in him and following his leading. The people perverted that, so they're rejecting God. They're not necessarily rejecting Samuel. Verses 8 and 9, According to all the works which they have done uh, since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. Now therefore hearken unto their voice, howbeit yet protest solemnly unto them, and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. So God says, it's nothing new that they reject me, that they do what they want, that they serve other gods. They've been doing this since I freed them out of slavery in Egypt. And he said, you're just seeing it continue today. So God says in verse 9, he says, Go ahead and give them a king. Let them have a king. Give in to their desires. But before you do, make sure you warn them and you tell them what kind of king they're going to have and what this king is going to do to them, to their children, to their land, to their possessions. Make sure they know good and well what they're getting into. So, 
Okay, here goes Samuel. He's going to warn the people. Verse number, verse number 10. And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked of him a king. So the people are demanding for a king. They're begging for a king. God has warned Samuel, and Samuel is going to deliver God's message to the people. Remember, this warning is coming from God. It's not Samuel having this idea of what a king might do and how bad it might be for the people. This is God's words telling the people exactly how it's going to be. And Samuel delivers this message to the people. And you would think this message would carry a little bit of weight with it if it was from God, this warning from God. Uh, The people should at least know it was going to happen. It was going to be true because God is always true to His Word. God always does what He says He's going to do. So there's warning from the people, or from God to the people, verse 11. And He said, This will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots, and to be his horsemen. And some shall run before his chariots. And he will appoint him captains over thousands and captains over fifties, and will set them to, to ear his ground, and to reap his harvest, and to make his instruments of war, and instruments of his chariots. So do you see what's going to happen there? He's going to take your children, your children who are free, who are able to do what they want to do for the most part now, he's going to take your kids from you and he's going to use them to build his army, to run before his chariots. They're going to be put into danger. He's going to use them to, to plant his field and to get his food. Essentially, your children are going to be slaves again, basically, to a king. Just what they were freed from out of Israel, or out of Egypt, I'm sorry, a few years prior to this. People are asking, basically, to go back into this bondage and this this slavery of the way the king is going to run it. Verse 13, so their sons are going to be taken and used for the king. Verse 13, and he will take your daughters to be confectionaries and to be cooks and to be bakers. That confectionaries um, is the idea of dealing with with herbs and and medicines and um, different things ointments and things like that so basically your sons are going to be used to serve the king your daughters are going to be used to serve the king verse 14 and he will take your fields and your vineyards and your olive yards even the best of them and give them to his servants so you're going to lose your kids and now you're going to lose your your freedom to farm basically your land wouldn't that throw up some red flags to somebody your, your stuff is going to be taken to be used for the king. Verse 15, And he will take the tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give to his officers and to his servants. So he's going to not only take your children and your, your, your fields, but also he's going to take a portion, he's going to tax you on the stuff that you have, your, your seeds. So, I mean, it's crazy stuff and they're getting this warning that this is what's going to happen and it's from God so there is truth behind it there's authority behind it verse 16 and he will take your men servants and your maid servants and your goodliest young men and your asses and put them to his work are you getting the picture here the king is going to have his hand in your in your business in your family in your fields in your food 
and He's going to take it to provide for His household, for His servants. Verse 17, And He will take the tenth of your sheep, and ye shall be His servants. He's taking your animals too, and you are going to be servants. Not just your kids, but you are. And ye shall cry out in that day because of your King, which ye shall have chosen you. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. You're going to choose a king you don't like. He's going to do these things I'm clearly warning you of. You're not going to like it at all. You're going to call out to me, and I'm not going to listen because I already warned you. And I already told you exactly what was going to happen. You just wanted to wait until it was too late to cry out to me. Um, As we see over and over, we see the people doing what they want. Then we see them crying out to God. But he does come in and and he does rescue and bail them out and bring another judge and bring someone to deliver them. But we have this warning from God to the people, this isn't what you want. None of this sounds appealing to me that the king is going to do. But the people say, verse 19, Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us. This is what we want. Give it to us. Verse 20, that we also may be like all the nations, that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And I think that that verse has a key to the whole passage. They wanted to be like all the other nations around them. They wanted to have a king that would go out and would fight their battles for them, where they could have Him go and do their their dirty work for them. But don't they see that their kids are going to be the ones that are His army? They're going to be the ones still fighting? And think of what they they were giving up here, because who was fighting their battles before they called for a king? Who was going before them and fighting? God was. He was fighting their battle. Yes, they were the military, but how many times does God take care of the bad guys before they even have to have a hand in it? So they're just wanting to be like the other nations. How did it work out for the other nations that God took care of along the way to the promised land? Not too good. They got destroyed. And they were wanting to give that up to be like those nations that their God destroyed. It's hard to wrap my mind around. Verse 21, And Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto their voice, and make them a king. And Samuel said unto the men of Israel, Go ye every man unto his city. You can almost see the discouragement there from Samuel. Where God says, they want, you warned them. They want it. Give it to them. See how it works out. And it's, it's such a sad story. We you know, we know how it plays out down the road. And, and Pastor Matt's going to go over that and cover that over the next few weeks and months. Uh, but such a sad thing to have clear warning from God and to reject that warning and get themselves into trouble. And what I want us to see from this is that we have a God that we can trust, that we can rely on, that we can place full confidence in. 
there's no reason for us to say, God, I know you said this, and I know this is your plan, but I, wanna, I want this, and I want to try to do that. Because that leads to a train wreck. We can trust God. He is all-knowing, knows all past, present, and future. It makes so much sense to look to Him and trust in Him and believe in Him and rest in Him at all times. And we can fully place our confidence in Him and what He has said and that He is good and that He is faithful and that He is true. And we don't need to flounder in our own train wreck because that's what we want and that's what we think is best. We can trust God. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer and then we'll be dismissed. Dear Father, I thank You um, for this passage of Scripture, for this, this story that we can look at again. I thank You for these details. Um, I pray that You will strengthen our minds and, and our hearts and our confidence in You. I pray that we will look to You and that we will trust in You through all things, whether, whether we like what's going on or, or not. I pray that You will help us to keep focused on You and to trust in You. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, thank you.